Thank you, Tracy. If you have a copy of your scriptures, meet us there in Romans 12. Uh, we'll be in those uh, couple of verses, verses three through eight. Uh, welcome to Journey once again. My name is Daniel. I'll get the opportunity to teach God's word today uh, and serve here as one of the pastors. Thank you for braving uh, the cold. Many conversations uh, with many of you uh, that know that my wife and I, before moving back to the Jonesboro area, lived in uh, western New York. And many of you have asked the question of, is it this cold there? He's like, just every day. Um, and uh, many have asked, well, how do you do it? What's the remedy? How do we brave through the cold? And I said, there's only one step, just get over it. And so uh, it's, with all joking aside, uh, thanks for braving uh, the cold here with us. Um, we're in week two of three of a series that we're calling The Vision of Journey, where we're looking at and unpacking our vision and mission statements uh, for our church that our elders have uh, put together about the next uh, chapter of our church um, and really just seeking to see what does God desire next, uh, the next season of life at Journey to Look Like. And uh, together we're walking through, we started in Romans eleven thirty three last week. And I, I'll let you know that we're just kind of gonna progress through uh, chapter 12 of Romans. And so next week, uh, if you uh, just do some simple math, we'll be in verse nine through the end of the chapter, chapter nine through 21. So if you wanna read ahead and study ahead, that would be a great place uh, to anchor your scripture reading next week. And so last week we looked at Romans eleven thirty three through 12, two and unpacked our vision statement, which you heard Danny say uh, right before, which is to see God glorified through life change for the good of Jonesboro and beyond. And if you have questions about what we uh, are unpacking some of those words and those vocabularies and how it relates to the doxology there in Romans 11, 33 through uh, 12, 2, uh, you can check that out on our YouTube or our podcast of our past sermons uh, that we preached last week. So I have two goals this morning. The first is I want to look at the scripture of Romans 12, 3 through 8 together. And, and second is to unpack a mission statement. Uh, in Romans 12, 3 through 8, you may know that this is one of the passages on the spiritual gifts of the, the gifts given by the Holy Spirit to the people of God uh, to do the work of ministry. And there's four uh, passages on the spiritual gift. This is kind of a subnote just for those of you who are interested in this. And the four passages on the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, they're easy to remember if you just remember two different numbers twice. So 4, 4, 12, 12. So what, is, what does that mean? So uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. So those are the four passages on the gifts. And then you can, we can dive in and I'll make some comments about just the spiritual gifts as a whole throughout this sermon as well. The second thing is I said, unpack our mission statement. Well, what is our mission statement? How do we accomplish the vision? So last week we described a, mi a vision statement as the reason of why an organization or a person exists. The, the motivation behind this is why we exist as an entity. And you can see that behind me there. It's to see God glorified through life change for the good of Jonesboro and beyond. But your mission is how you see fit to accomplish the vision. So what is the mission? Well, our mission is this, to develop and release authentic followers of Christ for the glory of God, the good of Jonesboro and beyond. To develop and release is the shorthand of that. 
The word develop is uh, literally means to cause something to progress or to grow or be more mature than it was, to advance. So our vision is to see God glorified. Our mission is how do we see God glorified through life change? It's to see followers of Jesus become more mature, more developed in who they are, the gifts and skill sets that they have to uh, share the message of Christ to the world. So how do we actually do this though? How do we see followers of Jesus become developed and released? And what does developed mean? What does it mean to be released? These are all great questions that we're seeking to uh, really just begin to answer with this sermon. So a few things that we have to figure out is what are the jobs of develop and releasing here at Journey with the church leadership, pastors, elders, deacons, uh, et cetera, and their roles? And what is the job of the people of God, the church in this? Uh, like what is all of our role in this mission of to see God glorified by being developed and released into ministry wherever God has assigned us? Well, the first place before diving into Romans 12, I wanna take you to one of those other gift passages in Ephesians 4, just in a few verses. So if you wanna uh, follow in your scripture and just turn over to Ephesians 4 really quickly, or it'll be behind me uh, on the Sky Bible as well. So this is the passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I'm reading this one out of the NIV translation. So this says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip the people, his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I preached this passage back in August um, talking about the vision for the next season of what is the role of church leadership? You, you saw it there in that passage. It's to equip, or that word means to train up, or the word we chose, develop. That The role of church leadership is to develop or to train up the body of Christ for what purpose? The NIV says, says they're the works of service, or the ESV, if you have that copy, says the ministry, for the work of the ministry. The word literally means to wherever God has assigned. So so how do we do this? How how do we, I mean, Journey Church, how do we turn our attention to that the church leadership's role is to train up the body so that we all together can do the work of the ministry, not just a subset or a few, but all of us together. So how do we do this? Let's see what Paul says about this. The first thing that we have to realize is the first phrase. This week in study, I put all the spiritual gifts passages side by side by side and realized that there's a lot of the similar language throughout all of these. But I want you to notice the first phrase of Ephesians 4, 11, and the first phrase of Romans 12, 3, before we dive in. And so in Ephesians 4, 11, it says, and he, that's Christ, gave. He gave. In uh, Romans 12, 3, it says, for by grace given. Very similar phrasing that, There is something being given by God for the good of his people. In the context in Ephesians 4, it says that for Christ gave the church, the church leadership, the fivefold gifts of the spirit, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors, all these things. He gave the church, the church leadership, so that they would train up or equip the people. But what is being given in Romans 12, 3? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's turn our attention there now. Romans 12, 3, let's read the whole verse. 
For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The first phrase that we need to zero in on here is that by grace that has been given. This phrase literally has the overtone of commissioning. We, we talk in uh, the Western American church a lot about commissioning or the, the sending as exclusively someone who's called or uh, into the ministry, someone who is called to be a church planner, someone who is called and commissioned to be a missionary, someone who is called and commissioned to be an evangelist, someone who's called and commissioned to be a pastor. But here, what Paul points out is he doesn't use this giving and commissioning language exclusively for the clergy. He actually uses it for the entire body of the church. He says, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone, not just the subset of the professional Christians, if you will. He says that by grace given to me, I say to everyone, this is the mindset that you're supposed to take on. But he says that there's this measure of faith that look at that last phrase in verse three, that God has assigned. That word assigned is literally the word that we get for our calling in the midst of what we're called to do and live with our lives, how we're called to exercise the gifts that we have been given by the spirit of God. Let's be clear on something here of what Paul is and is not talking about. Paul is not necessarily talking about our calling exclusively being expressed in the context of the building or the organization of the church, the nonprofit that we know today in specifically America. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I've given my life to this thing. It's a beautiful thing. The church is amazing and it's beautiful, but it's, it's about the people, not about the sign or the name out on the front of the building. Because when we, I'm gonna say we as preachers, as pastors, uh, to church members, box in the gifts of the Spirit exclusively be to what a Sunday morning serving role is at any said church, we are limiting what the, the Spirit of God desires to do and work in all of our lives. Because teaching in kids ministry is amazing and you should exercise that gift if that is the gift that you've been given. Serving in hospitality at the coffee bar or opening doors or an usher or greeter, Whatever that looks like, if you have skills, talents, abilities, gifts of the Spirit, that you are called to exercise those to your fellow members of the body and serving here at Journey Church. We encourage every single one of our members to faithfully sit and serve on on a regular weekly basis. But the truth is, is it's not called to be limited to the few hours on a Sunday morning gathering, what Paul is specifically talking about. Because the truth is, is if we have a talent or skill, we should seek for the betterment of the people that we see on a regular basis to help things run smoothly and people to hear the goodness and love of Jesus. But the context in both Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 are not necessarily 5013C of the local church. The context or the assignment as it is assigned, and you'll see that wording both in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12, is this. Ephesians 4 talks about it in verses one through three, that the assignment is to live a life in a godly manner. 
The assignment in Romans 12 is in verses one and two, which is the transformation of our lives. And we're called to expose others to that transformation by exercising the gifts that we have been given. And you see Paul talk about that in the next verse, which is picking up in Romans three through eight that we just read this morning. And can that be done in the context of a local church ministry? Absolutely, yes. But if that's the only thing in your mind, you've missed it. So how do we fulfill the mission of being developed and released? Why are we being developed? How are we being developed? And where at which are we being released? Well, how do we be developed? That's the first question, right? So how are we being developed? We desire here at Journey Church to fulfill our mission by helping people grow in their knowledge and love of God and others growing in their understanding of the story of God, the scriptures, and how Jesus is the center of all of life, growing in their understanding of themselves, their talents, their skill sets, and their gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we desire to celebrate wherever God so chooses to send them. Let's look at that statement again, mission statement, to develop and release authentic followers of Christ for the glory of God and the good of Jonesboro and beyond. Where does that releasing look like it takes place? For some of us, it may look like being released as a business owner or a teacher, a parent, a stay-at-home parent, a student, a faithful business leader in the city of Jonesville or somewhere in the surrounding area to be a faithful member and lay leader of Journey Church and to go and do their assignment or as the ESV says, their ministry. Others may be released to move with a church planner to be that very thing, a business owner, a teacher, a parent, whatever the case would be, with a strategic partner to go and partner with them to see the glory of God be placed in another city. Others may be called by God into vocational ministry to serve here at Journey or somewhere else across the world. But no matter where that is, Paul says we are strictly not to over-spiritualize one person's assignment over another's. Because when we do that, we are the ones that are wrong. The church I grew up in, you know, it was either plainly or kind of said, it was at least interpreted by those, that you are only serious about the Lord if you are willing to consider full-time ministry or be a missionary, i.e. a super Christian, or a pastor, i.e. the talker, that was me. But there's only one problem with that because the word calling is not exclusively used as a assignment in vocational ministry. The word calling is used for every single Christian that we all are called into an assignment by the Lord for his glory. And that first assignment is this. Look again there at verse three. I know at this pace you're thinking, man, it's gonna be like two hours by the time we get out here. We're still in the first verse. Trust me, we'll move a little quicker. It says this. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Paul says that the calling for all of us first is to think with humility, not pride. The word sober judgment, that phrase literally means an honest evaluation or a a controlled thinking about oneself. To think with clear, not cloudy judgment. C.S. Lewis talking about humility says this, that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. 
that authentic followers of Jesus, that's the next phrase, what do they understand? They understand the grace that has been given. Why do we need humility at all? Because if you don't have humility, I question the fact of if you're genuinely following Jesus, because if you don't understand the fact that Jesus did everything and when you deserved nothing, do you have humility? Do you understand the gospel message that God is king and creator and he created all things perfect and then we sinned, we messed it up. Romans 5 calls us all in partnership with Adam, the first human, the first sinner, that we're in partnership with him in all of this. And then we pursued our own solution to fix our problem, which led us into deeper and deeper brokenness. And then God provided the way for redemption, not a way, but the way in Jesus Christ, sending the second person of the Trinity, God's one and only son to provide the way for redemption for us. And he lived a perfect life died a sacrificial death, rose in glorious resurrection, as Peter says, because death could not hold him. And now ascended and seated down at the right hand of God the Father. And our calling is to authentically follow him or pursue the creator's perfect design. In this, this grace given that we were freely given something that we did not deserve in the gospel. And then Paul picks up knowing the gospel said, and even the fact that his power is now transplanted into you to fulfill the calling that you've been assigned, that's grace abounding in your life. And I believe the point that Paul wants us to understand, he wants to encourage us as followers of Jesus first to know ourselves He says, think of yourself with sober judgment, with clear thinking. Don't think of yourself better or worse off than someone else. In the same way, don't look at them and think they're better or worse. Just think clearly, know yourself. The second thing he wants you to know is to use the gifts you've been given to bring honor to God and bring it for the good of others. What have you been given? Gifts, talents, and skills. What gifts, talents, and skills have you been given by God in which where you can bring him glory and bring it for the good of other people? And the third thing is, is to thank God for his grace towards us. Thank God for his grace towards us in the gospel, in the continuation of the work of the ministry transplanted to you for the glory of God and the good of others, for you to go out and do ministry. But what what is ministry? What is the assignment that we've been assigned? I was reading one author this week to define ministry in this way, that ministry means that we have to trust. Ministry means that we have to trust that we, as a son or daughter of God, in our working to honor God, that power will go out from us, from God to other people, that power from the Lord will go out as us, as agents of that power. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to aid in that. That they're given as intentional gifts for the sake of the community of believers, not for oneself. You see, you can't really expect to honor God and serve God rightly with the gifts you've been given, the talents you've been given, the skills you've been given, if you don't understand why they exist in the first place. If it's for yourself, it won't be for the glory of God. Now, God can do whatever he wants and get glory however he so chooses, but Paul specifically instructs these believers to not 
show pride, but rather show humility. And your gifts don't exist for your good. They end up being that way because when you lift up God, you understand the full picture of it, but they're really for others. And my assignment in ministry is not better or worse than your assignment. In the same way of look to the person in your right or left, their assignment's not better or worse than their assignment. It's just different. Look at what Paul says, continue on. Now the second verse, verse four. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You see, Paul speaks here about the unity in the midst of the differentiating of parts. He uses this illustration of a body. He actually unpacks this really fully in uh, 1 Corinthians of this illustration of body, of these, the hand and the foot and the eye and all these different things. But different body parts shouldn't think of more or less than other body parts. Rather, he just says they're, they're different. They all have different functions and they all have the same functions. We don't have the same function. We're just one in Christ and one with one another because we are one in Christ. They're different, but they're all contributing to the betterment of the whole organism. So Paul gives some illustrations. Let's start in verse six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That's a difficult word. Every time I practice, I butchered that. I was really proud of myself in that moment. With cheerfulness, there it is. The thing I want you to recognize in this is in the beginning of verse six, where it says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. You see what Paul is getting at here in this is he's using this phrase of there's different gifts because I believe in the scriptures, as you look at them in the New Testament, I pointed out the four different gifts passages, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. We've looked at two of those four passages, but if you put together or if you even Google an article, what are the gifts of the spirit? You would get this long list of anywhere from like 18 to like 28, or if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts assessment of like what spiritual gifts that you possess, Really just one note of that is uh, the best way to uh, know what your spiritual gifts are is in the context of community, of other people recognizing your gifting. You may think, oh, I'm great at hospitality. No one has ever told me that, okay? Uh, but my wife is extremely gifted with being a great host, hostess. And that's not to say it's better or worse, but it's just different. We are different as individuals. Any married person knows you're different but a definition of a spiritual gift. So if you take this list, you have, you know, 18 to 27, like, well, what are the spiritual gifts? I think nailing them down in the scripture is slightly difficult because the definition of a spiritual gift is something given by God in order to accomplish an assignment. Something given by God in order to accomplish an assignment. And so if I ask you the question of a gift or a talent or skill that we find in scripture, if you think it's a spiritual gift, you would probably say no with an example. 
but I just outed myself in this because you're probably gonna second guess yourself and go ahead and say yes, like you, so you can get the quiz question right. So here's the gift. Is craftsmanship or carpentry a spiritual gift? If I were to just ask you that out in the lobby, you probably said, no, that's not a spirit. That's not in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Peter 4 or Ephesians 4. That's not in the 27 manifold gifts of the spirit. Like it's not listed as exhortation, prophecy, service, yada, yada, yada. But if it is a gift given by the Lord in order to accomplish a service, well, maybe it is. Let's look at Exodus verse 36 together. In Exodus 36, verses one and two, it says this. I'm about to butcher these two names, just so you know uh, in this, but uh, you, you're gonna get the point. Belhazali and Obalala, next question. All right, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Belhazali and Ohalabara, whatever that is, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart was stirred him up to come and do the work. You see, the context here is the building of the, uh, the tabernacle for God's people to come and worship him. And specifically, Moses tells the Lord about these two skilled, talented craftsmen that he put it in them. It just wasn't like, hey, I heard about these two guys. Maybe you should contract them out to do this task. No, the Lord specifically says, I have put skill and intelligence in them for this purpose. So what is the gift? What is the spiritual gift? Maybe you would say craftsmanship. Oh, it feels like a stretch. But the word work at the very end is the exact same word used in Ephesians 4.12, which says the work of the ministry, the task as it has been assigned. Because ministry is simply something God has given as your assignment, your task, where you're at right now. So the mission to develop and release authentic followers of Christ for the glory of God and the good of Jonesboro and beyond. That God gave his church, the people of God, the professionals, if you will, the church leadership to help train them up so they would understand the task that each of them have been called unto. And then God gave the people gifts in order to be the fuel at which in the way they fulfill that said calling and task for each one of them. So we, at that being Journey Church, we desire to be more laser focused, to help people here be developed in the assignment that which the Lord has called them unto. And we believe every believer has an assignment and better understanding his story will serve all of us well. And so how do we apply this? How do we understand this more fully? What does this look like? Well, if you were at Generosity of Journey back in October and you've heard something floating around called the the core four is these four leadership labs that we're gonna be slowly rolling out over the next couple of semesters. The first one is actually gonna start on February 21st and it's called God's Big Picture. It's a crash course in biblical theology. This leadership lab will help frame up the Bible for us to be able to drop in anywhere and understand the more full grand storyline of scripture. 
because we desire to help the people of Journey Church understand that we are all called to the ministry. All of us have an assignment from the Lord that is ministry. And these leader labs, they're specifically designed with, if you're a leader at Journey in any capacity, with you in mind, group leaders, if you teach the Bible to college students, middle school students, uh, uh, preschoolers, uh, if you are a, a leader of, uh, of a group of servants, or if you serve as a leader in any capacity, we just walk through the fact that all of us have somewhere that the Lord has assigned us to. So they, really these things are for all of us. So these four, the, starting with the first one in February, and then we'll roll out another one in the fall, which is called how to study the scriptures, how to study the Bible, to help us all better understand how to study the scripture for ourselves and help others in that. Then probably next spring, we'll roll out the essentials of our faith to walk through the core doctrines of the Christian faith. And then the next fall, we'll probably roll out the fourth one, which is of the core four, it's called Align, to help this lab move us from frustration to freedom, understanding our view of our resources and how God is designing us, desiring us to follow him with everything we have. You see, spiritual gifts given by the Lord in order to fulfill a task or purpose for his glory and for the good of other people, as Warren Wiersbe says, that they are not toys to play with, they're not weapons to fight with, but rather they're tools to build something with. So the question of where is your placement in the mission of God at Journey Church is this, that the mode of life that God always accepts is never one lived out of our selfishness or our own desires, our own abilities. But the church is called to be a flat plank where our lives are lived in a mode of dependence upon God and others, depending on that I have gifts and talents that someone else needs it. God has empowered me with gifts and talents that it's for his glory and for the good of someone else in the same way that their gifts and talents are gonna be for my good to help build me up. It's the shared experience of life and ministry that we are all being developed and all being released to our own assignments where God has called us for his glory and for others' good. So as we close out this sermon and continue in our service, I have three prayer prompt questions for you. The first one is it's gonna be more self-reflective that you're probably not gonna be able to answer fully in this moment, but I want you to sit on it and meditate on it, write it down, pray through it. The first one is this is, where has God gifted you? Where's God gifted you? What skills, talents, abilities, resources has God blessed you with that is for his glory and someone else's good? Trust me, if you hit your sweet spot, you will be blessed in it. You will feel like I'm living out my purpose. This is why I was put here. And it's not gonna be better or worse than somebody else. It's gonna be your groove and you want other people to get in their groove. Where's God gifted you? Second prayer problem. Where has God assigned you in this season of your life? Oftentimes when we talk about calling and assignment, the future. If you're someone who likes to dream and vision cast and think about 
one day, you could get so caught up in one day that you forget where God's planted you right now. Some of it may be a stage of life you're in with young kids or aging parents or a stage of life of a student or a business owner, whatever it may look like, but you have to assess where has God assigned you in this season of your life? What does it look like to be developed and released in this season of your life? What would Jesus do if he were you in this season of your life? What's the focus? What's the intentionality that you could have in this season of your life? Because God never exports what's not flourishing in the hometown. Where has God assigned you in this season? Number three, what is your best next step in order to be developed in that? With questions one and two, what's the gifts that God's given you? Where has God assigned you in this season? And what's your best next step? As we consider these and to consider what it looks like to more authentically follow Jesus, allow me to pray and then we're gonna stand and worship together. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your gifts of grace that start with Jesus, but they don't stop. You walk with us in every season. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are constantly calling us to more faithful and deeper devotion to you. You are challenging us. You are using every circumstance to be for your glory and our good. God, may the Holy Spirit grant each one of us further clarity in our lives to understand where you've gifted us, how you've called us, how you are commissioning us and sending us into the places and spaces in the world to be your hands and feet, to be released into ministry be agents of your grace to others. As you have been a grace giver to us, we are called to give that to other people. Would you help us see that more fully and clearly in our lives to how we come together as the body of Christ for your glory and others' good. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? and sing with us. There'll be prayer team members in the back to pray with you if you would like someone to pray with you, uh, but sing this out with us.